Good morning, everybody, on this first Sunday of Lent. Um, I've woken up with a very scratchy throat, so please excuse the voice and any possible coughing. Um, today is a really chewy meditation. It's not something that you can just swallow easily or understand easily. Um, you've got to chew on it for a bit and I have done that on your behalf how accurately um, or fully I, I don't know but I've tried my best so uh, this one is about uh, the temptations of uh, the world and it's called uh, temptations are attractions to partial goods uh, already there in the um, title we have a something to ponder over if you're not sure what partial goods are it's an it's an economic term i'll try to explain it later uh, and just to remind you if you're listening for the first time that i'm working from richard raw's uh, book called wondrous encounters scriptures for lent and uh, i'll read the meditation for you <coughs> excuse me in all three lectionary cycles, the gospel for the first Sunday of Lent is devoted to the temptation scene of Jesus in the desert from Matthew, Mark or Luke. That seems to be the way that he experiences his 40 days in the desert. So it seems to be an appropriate way for us to start ours. <coughs> This makes our chosen theme here rather clear. But as we examine it, it actually is not clear at all. So there's another paradox coming from Richard. First, if Jesus is purely and simply God, as many Christians seem to have concluded, then how or why can God be tempted in fact, the texts appear to make Satan stronger than Jesus in some ways. We clearly have a very different image of both Jesus and God today than Matthew, Mark or Luke do. The theology of the hypostatic union has not yet emerged to try and describe this paradox. Second, if Jesus were merely human, then what precisely is the meaning of these temptations to his humanity? That would seem to be the meaning and application for us today. In short, I see three temptations as that all humans, as the primal and universal temptations. I'll say that again. In short, I see the three temptations as the primal and universal temptations that all humans must face before they dare to take on any kind of power, as Jesus is about to do. They are all temptations to the misuse of power for, the purposes, for purposes less than God's purpose. They are sequentially the misuse of practice every day, of practical everyday power, the misuse of religious power, 
and the misuse of political power. These are the constant tragedies that keep defeating humanity. Jesus passes all three tests and thus the devil left him because he could not be used for lesser purposes. If you face such demons in yourself, God can and will use you mightily. Otherwise, you will for sure be used. But let me point out something we almost always fail to notice. We can only be tempted to something that is good on some level, partially good, or good for some, or just good for us and not for others. Temptations are always about good things. We could not be tempted if they were not. In, this case, in these cases, bread, scripture, and kingdoms in their magnificence. Most people's daily ethical choices are not between total good and total evil, but between various shades of good, a partial good that is wrongly perceived as an absolute good because of the self as the central point of reference or even evil that disguises, disguises itself as good. These are what get us into trouble. Jesus is the master of spiritual discernment here, which is always much more subtle and particular than mere obedience to external laws. Note that Jesus quotes no moral commandments here, but only wisdom from the texts of Deuteronomy. If you if you have a look at uh, one of one of the scriptures mentioned today, you will see that Jesus um, uh, says. Um, let me just check. <coughs> So Jesus says, It is written that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then he says a little later on, it is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And both the scriptures you will see come from Deuteronomy. Whoops, what's happened here? So let's go back to the beginning. Now there's, there's an awful lot in here and I'm not going to get into all of it because it will just take too long. Um, but what I am going to, I'm going to try and, and as usual pull out just the essence and I think a good place for us to focus for Lent is on these temptations. Um, the first bit that talks about um, Jesus and uh, and particularly Jesus' nature, that he, and they refer to the hypostatic union. Okay, so the hypostatic union is just a fancy theological word for the argument about whether Jesus was 
fully divine or was he fully human or was he partly divine and partly human or was he fully divine and fully human at the same time and the the, the sort of uh, vote seems to fall on the last one that he was fully divine and fully human at the same time now how that relates to today's message is that Jesus could not have been tempted if he was fully divine so he had this element um, of humanity um, to understand the temptations of the world so that he could minister to us if he was fully divine like god he would not have known um, or understood the idea of of why we get tempted Um, okay so i wouldn't bother too much about that it's just really more uh, of interest Um, let's continue so uh, raw goes on to say that the the sort of I'm going to uh, summarize this, the main area where we are tempted and where we sin (coughs) is in the misuse of power, whether that's on a daily practical level or whether it's uh, if you're in a position of leadership on a much broader scale. So the interesting thing is that, uh, that you know, the, the passage in Deuteronomy says that, and it's, it's uh, yeah, sorry, I don't have the scripture, um, but you can just uh, have a look. I looked it up on Google. So he says the devil left him, um, so he, in, he couldn't be tempted. So the devil left him. So he couldn't be tempted. So we need to recognize the devil in something. And it can be something quite mundane, like someone tempting you to eat a chocolate, which you know is not going to be good for you. Um, And I'll, I'll say more about that later. But if the devil, if we have to recognize the devil within us and turn our backs on him. And Richards makes the very important point that we cannot be tempted unless we see some good in what we've been tempted by. If someone tries to tempt us with something that we don't like, say we don't like licorice and we're tempted with licorice, it'll have no effect on us because we don't like it. So there's also something interesting there that we can actually, um, to help us understand our situation of temptation. What is it that this person is offering me that I like? And once we know what that is, we can work with it. I want to just take you back for a moment to the Garden of Eden. Um, and this is a bit of a diversion now, but it, it, it's, it's always been interesting to me that one of the ways that the devil will get to us is by questioning what we believe. So in the Garden of Eden, he appro- the snake approaches um, Eve 
and says, why don't you eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And she says to him, we are not allowed to do that because we have been told that if we eat of that tree, we will surely die. God has told us that. So the devil, and this is what he does in everyday life, will attack her reason for saying no. He says to her, he casts doubt. He says, surely you will not die. How could you eat an apple and die? And besides, and here he gives something we desire. If you eat it, you will have knowledge of good and evil. So there is the devil firstly casting doubt and then kind of showing us this, putting this gem under our nose and wafting it around like, you know, we can smell the chocolate almost. Um, and, and that's what makes it, the devil is crafty. Remember, he's a fallen angel. He's a fallen angel. He knows exactly how to get to what we will respond to. So when I think of a, the situation that I've been in many times now, where someone will try to tempt me, I will never tell them the reason why I'm saying no, because I know that then they will attack that reason and that will make it more difficult for me. So I simply say something like, um, no, I really don't want to do that or uh, no, thank you. And then uh, I just would, would try to withdraw from the situation, like walk away or say I had an appointment or something. The minute you expose the reason for saying no, that you give the devil something to hook into. Okay, so just think about that. That's the way I think about it. You might not agree. <clears throat> so um, that's a bit of a diversion, as I said. So let's continue with what Richard is saying. Um, be careful how we use our power, and we all have power, whether we um, are really just a, a simple person in life or um, whether we have power over organizations or over nations. Look at Vladimir Putin. He is misusing his power in the most awful way. He's attacking the Ukraine because he can because he has an army that belongs to him and he has total control over that army. Um, and when you look at the things in life that are wrong, it's a misuse of power, okay? Try to be humble with whatever power you have and use it for the good of others and not for the good of yourself. And you can't really go wrong. <clears throat> and I'm just going to read to you the last paragraph. Jesus is the master of spiritual discernment here, which is 
always much more subtle and particular than the mere obedience to external laws. Note that Jesus quotes no moral commandments here, but only wisdom texts from Deuteronomy. It's always been my kind of goal, I suppose you could call it, in my spiritual development, to become wise. But wise, not in a way of having a lot of knowledge, but wise in terms of how I walk in the world. Um, I'm not there yet, but that's always something that's attracted me, because if you have wisdom, you will live a good life. If you have wisdom through Jesus, through God, you will live a good life. You will live according to God's principles, and temptation won't be that easy. And yes, it's never as simple as just obeying an external or physical law. Your thought process needs to be a lot more, a lot deeper than that. So I hope I've made some, some parts of it clear here. Just to summarize, I wanted to focus on the temptation side, um, what tempts us, what we need to look out for, um, how we can walk away uh, how we respond to a, a, a situation of temptation, um, always with humility and compassion, um, but just taking ourselves away from that source of sin. So uh, today's reading, uh, the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness where he stayed for 40 days. There he was put to the test by Satan. He was with the wild beasts, and yet angels administered to him, ministered to him. So we are in our 40 days where we need to turn away from sin. So this first Sunday lesson is extremely appropriate. And that uh, scripture is from Mark 1, 12 to 13. If you want to do the other ones, I like Matthew. Uh, Matthew 4, 1 to 11 and Luke 4, 1 to 13. Mark 1, 12 to 15. Matthew 4, 1 to 11 and Luke 4, 1 to 13. They all cover the temptation story of Jesus and, and uh, Satan. be interesting to see how they uh, coincide or differ. And then I'll start a prayer today, and I really love this one. God, help me to distinguish my wild beasts from my angels. Help me to see how often I confuse one with the other. I'll read it again. God, help me to distinguish my wild beasts from my angels. Help me to see how often I confuse one with the other. And there I remind you of the story of the Garden of Eden, where Satan so easily convinces um, Eve that her angel 
who was protecting her by telling her not to eat became a wild beast when she gave her reason and the devil was able to cast doubt in her mind and convince her to be tempted and to commit sin. Amen.